You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is Black Hollywood Live. Justice is served. Featuring the week's roundup and commentary on legal news. Black Hollywood Live. Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, Justice is served. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Justice is Served. It is the 1st of July. That means we're coming up on the 4th of July. And as a special, we're going to do all Supreme Court type cases, ones that that are uh, very relevant right now and that that potentially affect you. And if you don't think they affect you, we're going to tell you why they do affect you. In fact, and why you should actually be thinking about them instead of just being passive and be like, ah, I don't care. You should care. Very engaging. And that's what the 4th of July means, caring. That's a great interpretation. I like that's it. Right. That's right. I like right. it a lot. And we have Chelsea Galicia. Hi there. Thank you. And I am Phil Svitek filling in for the great Sarah Azaria. Thanks for doing this. Of course. Of course. Uh, Can't when, wait when to duty have calls, a, you step in. Yeah, we're going to have a thrilling conversation about four of the biggest Supreme Court decisions that have come out in the last week. Uh, and I'm very excited to break it down just in case any of these confused you or you didn't know what this meant for your rights uh, right. we're talk- responsibilities. We're talking about love wins. We're talking about the death penalty, Obamacare, and housing discrimination. Yes, sir. Um, so the big, I think the one that everyone's most aware of is uh, love wins, which is to say, of course, the Gay Marriage Act. Yes. So, of course, this has been in the works for, like, decades now, the movement to uh, make marriage between a man and another man and a woman and another woman the same uh, validity in the eyes of the law as a man and a woman. But Sarah and I have both come out and, and, and told you in the last couple of weeks as we've been waiting for this case to come down that we thought it would come down the way that it did. And the reason why is that anybody who has sat in a constitutional law class and hasn't been sort of blinded by the, you know, religious reasons can see very plainly that the writing on the wall has been that this was the way it had to go down. Starting way back in, well, probably even before this, but in 1967, I think for me was when I saw this case in law school, I was like, oh, these, the gay marriage thing is completely happening after this one case. So, Oddly enough, this was a case, 1967, Loving versus Virginia. About to be a, fair, you weren't in school during 1967, no, correct? No, but just, we were. Just want to make sure it's for in, clarity. In, in law school, you go back through old cases. Yes, yes. Uh, that's all law school is, is just reading case after case after case, trying to figure out the reasoning. Because it's not just what the court said in like the two-second snippet of the result, but the, the reasoning that went behind it, which depends a lot on the words of the Constitution, depends on the words of the law that's being challenged, and depends a lot on what the court has said before in uh, on similar situations or on cases that are relevant to this. So in terms of marriage, the case of Loving versus Virginia was a really important case. That was a case that allowed interracial marriage because before that, there was a law that said 
black person can't marry a white person. And an interracial couple sued and ultimately won. And the reasoning behind that, the justices said, is that marriage is a fundamental right. And when you hear the Supreme Court say that anything is a fundamental right, it is virtually impossible for the government to infringe upon that right. Virtually impossible, not totally impossible, but it's a really, really difficult standard. They have to prove that there is some really great government interest in that kind of discrimination against allowing for that fundamental right. So once I saw that case, I was like, there is no way that marriage can be denied to same-sex couples if marriage uh, is a fundamental right. Does that make sense? It does. And I'm going to, for me, I'm going to take a different stance. uh, Categorize it however you want. It's just, it's a different stance at the end of the day. Um, And it's, you know, because we're coming up with it. I'm going to call this the 4th of July special, right? Okay. One of the things, no, because... Sooner or later, this had to happen Yep. Um, in one way, shape, or form. And uh, to bring politics into it, one of the things that uh, why I feel like, uh, you know, China at the end of the day, as, as much as they're on the uprise, the reason why I don't think they'll be at the level that uh, the United States is at is because they don't have a form of amendments like this, right? And, and in the sense that, you know, it was only going to be a matter, whether it happened, you know, last Friday or whenever, it was always going to happen. People were just, this was a social movement. People were upset by it. People wanted it to happen. And that's what's great about the United States is that, yes, things get delayed, especially in the uh, justice process. Yeah. But because, you know, if people want it to happen and they want it to happen strong enough, sooner or later it will. And the fact that you can have uh, social justices enacted in that way is you know is a very uh, still powerful um, you know form I had of social no community idea that you were so worldly Phil that you would know <laughs> about Chinese law I have been to China and I I did not know that about China I'm I have no idea about the way that China's laws are but that is one of the great things about our law is that we have the Constitution and the amendments which are uh, we're always intended to be like living, breathing documents. So it's not like you just read the black letter of the law and if it doesn't fit in there, it yeah. doesn't exist. So there, are, there was one of the judges who was on the dissent who did not agree with the majority on this, who said that this is the court making up law, that this is not a right that is in the Constitution. This has nothing to do with the Constitution. That's what the Chief Justice... Well, it it does a lot, and it does have to do with the Constitution. We have the 14th Amendment, equal protection. We have fundamental right of marriage that has been decided by stare decisis. It's that whole thing about once... uh, It's like precedence. So... Other cases before it, including not just Loving versus Virginia, but we've had other cases, um, Lawrence v. Texas, where the Supreme Court ruled that a state cannot uh, have a law against sodomy, that what people do in the privacy of their own homes that does not harm anyone uh, is none of the government's business. Uh, the government or the Supreme Court has also said that prisoners have a right to marry. So you're going to let, you know, serial murderers have the right to marry and not gay people. It just doesn't make sense uh, given the line of cases that have come out before. And so when you look at the same way that all other cases are decided, it's not just looking black and white what's in the Constitution and what's in the letter of the law, but looking at what the cases decided before it, 
have laid out as precedent. So it completely has everything to do with the Constitution and the amendments. And to say that it is not at all related to it, that this was only a social movement that people wanted, and that's how this came to be, is what, what, what I think, think is being inaccurate. I, I think that that's a that's a fair point. But even if it even if it was just a social movement, that's the whole point. Is that it can be, you know, and if enough people want it in that way, then it can happen. And if it's an expression of freedom and liberty and all these great things that this country was founded on, and we can point it back to, you know, the Constitution, then yes. And I I saw one of the dissenting justices were, were like, well, now this means that we can have plural marriage. You know, people marry more than one person by the same logic. And I didn't exactly see that. But, I mean, truthfully, if people want to do that, I, I don't I, I, I don't know if the government can really stop them unless there is shown to be a harm maybe to children or to something. That was the early um, movement against gay marriage was that it's harmful to children. But the studies have come out that it is not harmful to children. Uh, children have been raised in same-sex um, parent households and have turned out just fine. And so because of that... Sometimes even better. Right. And because of that, that that argument lost all the wind in its sails. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if people will now take up the plural marriage yeah. cause, but I, I, I highly <laughs> doubt it. But if we can show that it is not a, a harm to anyone, uh, then... Perhaps they're right, but this didn't happen just by itself the one day the Supreme Court decided. There was a lot of movement in the states and among all of us as uh, Americans who wanted it to go this way. Polls after poll after poll showed that more and more people were accepting of same-sex couples. I think uh, early this states. year. Yeah, 37 states and D.C. had legalized same-sex marriage. So the states were already on this path. And um, and in early 2015, so this year, polls said that the acceptance of the American people of gay marriage was at 60%. So this was preceded by a lot of acceptance and this is what people actually wanted. And some people said, well, this is an issue for the states to decide. Each individual state should be able to decide it. By popular vote. That's what democracy means. But this is why we have a Supreme Court. Because what if one day we all decided in the state of California, every guy named Phil goes to jail. And we decided that, you know, popular vote, democracy at its finest, we got to choose that every guy named Phil goes to jail. And you sue and say, well, this isn't fair. And it goes... The, the court of uh, Supreme Court of California says, sorry, dude, this is what the law says. Your name is Phil. You go to jail. You take it up to the Supreme Court and they would look at the Constitution and be like, sorry, California, I realize that you want all guys go- named Phil to go to jail, but this is violates our Constitution. You can't do that. And that's why leaving it up to the states entirely is kind of being ignorant of the purpose of having a, a, a Supreme Court. Um I thought that that was kind of a silly argument that people are like, well, let's just leave it to the states. Well, can't leave everything to the states or else why the heck do we have a Supreme yeah. Court in the, in the first place? So it, this one was decided correctly for sure. In some ways, I, I'm just ha- – obviously I'm happy for the reasons that every, everyone should be happy. But I'm also happy like in the spirit of this – of which this is intended – I'm glad we can just move on. Oh, my god! There's gosh, so many this... other important cases. Like, yeah. th- th- this is, uh, in many ways, it, for lack of a better term, it's a, it's a no-brainer. Like, yes. okay, let's just 
Absolutely. Don, let's move on with our lives and let's figure out something that uh, obviously this affects a lot of people very positively, some not so positively in their eyes. I mean, we are so late to the game on this one. My favorite part of watching all these people get upset about the, the ruling is they're like, oh, forget it, I'm moving to Canada or even Mexico. Uh, both of those places have gay marriage. In fact, Canada legalized it, if you want to call it that, 10 years ago, almost to the day before we did. So it is way about time. I think you're right. And uh, we join in the celebration. But we are ready to move on to bigger, badder battles now that everybody can get married. I don't even... Does it make you want to get married anymore than no. before? <laughs> right. Good luck to everybody. I'm not getting I know. The people who really want out are wedding planners and divorce attorneys. And, you know, hopefully there will people, there will be people out there that aren't as cynical as I am about marriage who will really enjoy this new right, um, that they already always have. Why do you hate marriage? Uh, I don't know if I hate marriage. It's just a little, how's that for an explanation? (laughs) Well, while we're on a grim views, let's talk about the, uh, um, something quite important, the death penalty. Yeah, so the Supreme Court didn't talk about uh, or didn't decide a case about whether the death penalty is constitutional, although two of the justices in this opinion raised that issue. But this was a case about a guy facing uh, lethal injection who um, sued the state of Oklahoma because one of the drugs used in the three drugs um, – <coughs> was was said to be unreliable. So what happened is a, a couple of years ago, there was a lot of pressure on a manufacturer to stop producing a drug that was used to put people to death. And so they uh, substituted that with something else. And uh, I think three executions that use this drug seemed to go on for a long time, and the person seemed to be in a lot of pain, agony. And so for that reason, the the person facing their execution with this drug involved said that this was a violation of their eighth amendment right against cruel and unusual punishment. So, uh, they sued and, and tried to show that it's a very painful, slow death because this one drug is supposed to knock you out unconscious while they administer the other two drugs that sort of paralyze all your muscles, your heart and everything, which lead to your death. Uh, but the justices said, sorry, man, we can't promise you a painless death. We would all love a painless death, but not all of us have the good fortune of having a painless death. You didn't prove that it was, um, even if it's, uh, I don't know if they said quite, even if it's unreliable, it's sort of, it works and you didn't provide any alternative, which I thought was kind of weird. I didn't think somebody had to present an alternative, but, uh, that's what, it's what they said is, is. Sorry, too bad. This was, this was decided the majority were the, the very conservative, um, judges and two of the very liberal, uh, justices who dissented said, you know, this, this actually raises the whole issue of is the death penalty itself constitutional because the death penalty is being used less and less. Maybe it's now unusual. It's not as usual as it was before. And also he commented on the fact that it's it's applied sort of arbitrarily, depending on, you know, what state you were convicted in, uh, and, and that it, it doesn't seem to be applied very fairly. And then again, there's always those people that we're finding were either put to death or about to be put to death that 
were not guilty of their crimes in the first place. And so, you know, it makes this whole thing questionable. So I thought it was very interesting, the issue raising about whether death penalty is uh, constitutional. I think that within the next mm, 20 years, they're going to say it's not constitutional. But in the meantime, if you do something bad, your death might be painful. Not just bad, but like you kill somebody. If you're given the death penalty, it, it, it might hurt when you die. What do you think about that? Is that fair? Have they taken away hanging? Because I mean, here's the thing, right? Um, a lot of people think like, and I'm not trying to be like crude about this, but you know that that you have the noose on your neck and then you just fall and that's it, you're done. Like yeah. if it goes wrong, you're hanging there for six minutes, dying. Mm. You know, uh, so so at the very least, I think uh, you know, I, you know, in, in this the poison scenario, at least it's certainly much more efficient than hanging well that was that was the thing is that apparently uh, um there were three executions that one of them i think maybe took 40 minutes so this whole how long can it take that's certainly more than a hanging yeah so uh i mean it doesn't sound pleasant and you know before i was much more like that's too bad i mean if you you killed somebody who knows how long they suffered and if you have to suffer so be it but with all the the new cases now that we're not new cases, but all of the, the, the incidents we're finding where um, people were convicted and condemned um, and it turned out never to have committed that crime. Do you remember, Phil, when you covered a show a couple months ago, we talked about um, Mr. Ford, Glenn Ford, mm-hmm. who was uh, convicted of, of murder served 30 some odd years then they realized oh he didn't do it and then he tried to sue um oh gosh now the term is is escaping me but he wanted sort of restitution from the state of mississippi for putting him away for so long when they shouldn't have and they said oh no we're not going to give you any money because you were tangentially involved in the crime you don't have clean hands so we're not going to give you any restitution we took 30 years of your life away we're not going to give you any money and then we found out the guy had cancer and then just this week he died so um, you know, it's situations like that where this man spent for, he was the longest person ever to, to sit on death row. And then we find out he didn't actually do it. So it's cases like that that are very scary about, am I, are we willing to really put people to death in such a torturous way when we know that there's a, at least a small percent of chance that they didn't actually do it? So it makes me, uh, very hesitant to be supportive of the death penalty and a very painful form of death here's i think um for me i think the obviously there's two couple of things right if you're gonna have the death penalty then it has to be the same for everybody right the process and the qualifications and so on and so forth personally convictions man these convictions are not they they even they go through 25 stages. I'm not even, I don't know how many stages of appeals. And sometimes people get all the way, their convictions are upheld and they didn't do it. So I, I don't know if it's the same, um, sort of standards being applied everywhere on convicting people and putting them to death. I, but if they were, I, I mean, it, it just comes down to sort of, uh, you know, Schrodinger's cat. Do you want to just take that chance and uh, open the box and see what the result? You know, like if if you enact the death penalty on someone, you've basically you've sealed their fate forever. Yeah, and, and I, so or you know, by letting them, you know, do 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 life in prison, 
yeah. then they may or may not actually be guilty. Well, one of the other reasons that one of the justices, the very, the most conservative, I don't know if I'd call him the most conservative, but certainly very, very, very conservative. I think he's most, the most colorful languaged um, justice, Justice Scalia said that we need the death penalty as a deterrent. I, I think the studies are showing it's not really working that well as a deterrent. And he also said it's not that good of a consolation prize. Like, how are you going to tell the parents of a child who was murdered, oh, the guy's just going to spend the rest of their life in jail. Really, he should die. I, I think that's a little projecting too much on what parents of murdered children would want. But he's saying it's a deterrent and we need something really terrible to help the families of victims feel like there is some sense of justice. I don't know about the families. I I mean, I I guess you can argue that. Um, I think I I do buy into the uh, it could be a deterrent. It just has to be, you know, not that you need it public public in that way, but I mean, it's just, um, again, I think people need to understand more of the qualifications and the set of standards. Well, and apparently, you know, we had these two prisoners escape from that New York jail a couple weeks ago, and then one of them was just shot dead the other day, and one of them has been been captured. Those people were in in prison for, for, for life, and they risked death. I mean, apparently, it's not an easy thing to deal with sitting in jail for the rest of of your life i I think to some of us it sounds like the easy way out but apparently it's not it was it was worth being killed for those guys who dug their way out of the jail had to know that they were risking their lives that they could have been killed and they were willing to take that risk because apparently life in prison is quite torturous so i don't know if i agree that life in prison isn't enough fair enough um all right well uh, let us know your thoughts and opinions on the death penalty. Obviously, it's a very uh, sensitive subject. Uh, something, hopefully, I don't know if you're going to call it uplifting, but let's talk about, oh, it's certainly not the death penalty. Let's yeah. talk about Obamacare. All right. Well, this one, uplifting and then, you know, almost not so much. I mean, the the idea behind Obamacare to cover more people with, with health insurance and to make it cheaper is a great idea. Didn't exactly have that effect on me, my 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 premium because I'm self-employed. I pay my own insurance. It doubled. And granted, I got a little bit more coverage than I had before, but it's not like I really, really use it. I try and take care of myself. That's no fun. I mean, and I like to, you know, I'm using air quotes, cure myself at home with all the random things I find on the internet. No, I'm just kidding. I I do a little bit more research than just the internet, but I, I, I don't use it very much. But it was upheld. Um, some challengers were looking for any reason to knock this this law out. And they found four words, four words that they wanted to challenge. And the words were um, let's see if <clears throat> established by the state. Okay, so those four words were the center of this entire controversy. So here's how it works. I'm not sure if you know. So Obamacare or Affordable Care Act says that the states will set up their own exchanges that where you can purchase insurance on. But if the state chooses not to do it, there's going to be a federal exchange that people can purchase insurance from if their state doesn't have an exchange. And if anybody 
can't afford it because of their income, there's going to be federal subsidies that help pay for it. And the challenger said that the words of the law, this phrase established by the state, means that the federal government could not provide subsidies to the people in the states that didn't have their own exchanges. So as it stands right now, 34 states don't have exchanges. And so the people that live in those states, those residents have to go to the federal exchanges. And if this challenge had been uh, successful, then those people in those 34 states would have lost their subsidies and would have made basically their their health insurance null and void. So this affected or, or, or could have affected almost six and a half million Americans. That's a lot of us um, in these 34 states because those people would have lost their, their tax credits. Uh, and surprisingly, there were there was one very conservative judge and one judge, one justice who's the swing vote, the guy who's t- is is conservative but sometimes uh, goes a little more central or, or, or liberal. Who who decided that really, when you look at the whole law, it is it's clear that the they intended to give subsidies to everyone, not just people that whose states don't have exchanges. But that's what the whole brouhaha was about. It was about <coughs> subsidies going to residents. Um, and this, uh, this this is such a long and convoluted explanation, but I hope it makes sense about just how nitpicky these people are going through the law, reading every last word, phrase to see if there's something that can get this whole law tossed out. So what's next steps? For any, I mean, if if um, if you are in those thirty four states or whatever, like, so you keep getting your federal subsidies, and I know that um, you know the Republican Party hates this, and they want to, they you know, but now it's withstood, you know, two Supreme Court challenges. I really wish that you know the party who hates Obamacare would instead focus their energy on reducing the costs within. Uh, the healthcare system, because their complaint is this, this system is so expensive, forcing people to buy insurance. It's not fair because it's so expensive. Well, why don't you do something about the fact that it is so expensive? And surely there's a lot that can be done. You would think that if everybody buys insurance, the price of it should come down, kind of like when you buy in bulk, mm-hmm. you know, the, the price of the individual policy should come down. But um, I don't know what they're going to do, what approach that they're going to take. Uh, but, you know, this just means that Obamacare is here to stay. Uh, I, I don't absolutely love how much more money this is costing me. But if I think about it, this is kind of a long shot. But the, thing, the story I think of is like my the price of my health insurance is partially set to account for other other people who have different health habits. So I try and eat healthy and work out and take care of myself. Uh, but I still have to sort of pay the price a little bit for the people that eat fast food and don't ever leave the couch. And then they get high blood pressure, diabetes, and all these things that are killing Americans. So for that, for that, that's, that's annoying that I'm like paying for somebody else's diabetes. But if somebody, let's say with diabetes goes to the hospital they get all this treatment. They get amputations and whatever, all this treatment, and then can't pay for it. And you get a bunch of those people that effectively like bankrupt a hospital. Like they can't stay in business because 
they treat all these people that then can't pay. Then let's say I have a car accident in that neighborhood where that hospital once stood and it is no longer in business because nobody was paying them. Now my life is again at risk because there's no local hospitals. They were put out of business by the fact that there, these people weren't covered by insurance and so they never got paid for their services. So in order to keep all the hospitals open around anywhere that I might have an accident near or whatever, I, I guess I'm okay with paying a little bit more. I don't know if that makes no. sense or might help enough. people feel better about paying a little bit more. But I, I wish that, you know, how much I paid was tied to how healthy I was, kind of like your car insurance is tied to how good of a driver you are. But uh, I'm not sure that we can work out a system for that, although I'd I love it. Yeah, it's tough because then there's, uh, you know, again, there's unfortunately things that you can't predict at the end of the day. Right, and things that people are are, are born with. But I think it, even saving those things that people are, are, are born with, the things that have to do with our lifestyle have so much more of an impact on our health than the issues that we're born with. So... I don't know. I I hope that I, well, no, I do know. I should stop saying I don't know because I do know. I would like to see it somehow related to the choices that I make and the fact that if I'm purposely trying to be fit and healthy, I should be in some way rewarded like good drivers are rewarded. Do you have, do you have good driving discount on your insurance, Phil? Not at the moment. (laughs) All right. Um, Let's talk about uh, housing discrimination. Uh, okay. This has kind of uh, been brought up okay, recently. So this one, I, this one, uh, yeah, affects a, a lot of people only because the decision seems to be so like wide sweeping, which is why a lot of people don't like it. I'm a little like, oh, I can see why it's good, and I can see why people would fear it. So basically, what it what it means um, is that if you if you're denied. If you feel discriminated against in, ter- in terms of housing, uh, applying to be a tenant somewhere, applying for a loan, if, it, if you're a builder who builds, um, let's say, low-income housing for people, uh, and you feel like you were discriminated against because you wanted – let me actually try to see if I can make this a little bit easier. I'm even confusing myself. So the state of Texas was uh, awarding money – to contractors building low-income housing units in poorer areas <coughs> and not nearly as many in the nicer areas. So they sued under the Fair Housing Act because even though you can't say that the state of Texas intentionally discriminated in where they were giving out money to, the effect of it you could see and they call it disparate impact. So it's just the, it's the impact was discriminatory, even though the intent wasn't. So this is, it's really hard to tell. Um, I mean, it gets, it gets more, so, so let me ask you this, like, uh, cause it, let's take any neighborhood, right? Um, if let, let's say a typical house, three bedroom. Okay. Where are we talking? LA know. or middle of the country? Uh, let's talk LA because I, I forgot in the middle of the country. <laughs> okay. um, so let's say th- uh, three bedroom, two bath, uh, five hundred. Okay. okay, right. <laughs> this is not anywhere near around here, but okay, nice. What do you mean? What, what, that's three bedroom in LA ish, for five hundred? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a little low, right? Right. Yeah. Um, but let's let's take it at that. Let's let, maybe, maybe uh, one bathroom. Okay. okay. So you got three bedroom, one one bath. Um, then I mean, how do you like? Because my question is just how does it work? You know, if, if one house is set, set at that, and like let's say you know you buy like. How do you set a lower price for something else? Like, it, I, I, it's just set based off because it, it's all the most of the land, right? Yeah, it's already pre-built upon. Well, this, certainly, the areas that people want. I mean, you could go to Maine and buy an entire town. This case doesn't because that say no one wants to live there. This case doesn't say that you know if you are in a minority and you walk into Beverly Hills and you're like, hey, this this place is too expensive for me. Uh, and if you look around, it's all. You know, white people here—they're discriminating. I—they should price this such that I can buy it. That is not what this decision says. Okay, so, so, so then, what? What exactly is it when right. you're so it's in, uh, when you're building, building, or let's say you are applying for a loan. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you want to take out a mortgage on a house, and there was one um, analysis that I saw was interesting. So let's just say we have two people with the same credit score, okay? And one person wants to buy a place in, I don't know, what's a nice city around here? Beverly Hills. Okay, fine. Well, in Beverly Hills. And the other wants to buy a house in, you know, San Bernardino, which has got very low um, property values relative in the state of California, okay? The bank can decide... To approve one and not the other, even though they both have the same credit score and let's say even the same income. So it looks like people were being denied in San Bernardino more than they were being denied in Beverly Hills and be like, well, that's not fair at all. I got the same income as that other person and I have the same credit score. Why, why was the Beverly Hills person given the, the mortgage and I, and I wasn't? And people are like, well, so that, that's what the, the law te- wants to correct. Is that, mm-hmm. is that happening? So if those two people are, are the same qualifications. They should both get the loan. Okay. Then on the other side of that argument, people are like, well, no, but a bank has to weigh the consequences of the lender not paying. So let's just say that the Beverly Hills person defaults and that home goes into foreclosure. Now Making the bank them money back. Exactly. That's the argument is that if they get a house in San Bernardino, they're, they're going to have a hard time selling it or that it's not a valuable as an asset as the one in Beverly, Beverly Hills. Hills. I think it's a bit of a stretch because you're supposed to also, you know, to, uh, you're, you're looking at the price of the actual property when they take it it gets a little bit more complicated than that but the the point of this is is that if 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 you look around and it's like you know housing policies are creating more segregation than integration then somebody can sue for that and that's that was the purpose of the of the fair housing act was to eliminate discrimination and the effect would be to (coughs) more integrate us but policies um are, are you know putting uh, housing projects in lower income properties already and therefore causing more of a divide causing further segregation and that's why i think the supreme court ruled that even though we we can't point out to some really intentional discrimination 
if you look at the at the situation and you can see not just from statistical analysis but you really look inside the policies that caused uh this disparate impact then uh somebody could could sue it doesn't mean that somebody could actually win you still have to prove that there was a policy and that you were discriminated against but but it is enough to show the impact, not just the intent. So, you know, obviously intent is a big deal in the law. We talk about intent all the time on the show, especially in criminal cases and about uh, what did the a person intend to do. Like we talk, I mean, a lot about like Suge Knight. Did he intend to save his life or did he intend to kill somebody when he ran something somebody over? So it's this Intention is a huge, huge deal in the law, and this case said intention is important, but also the impact, uh, the ultimate effect is important, too, and if the effect is discriminatory, you can sue. Got it. I hope that made some kind of sense. Well, there you have it. The Housing Act So explained. Hopefully, you will never need to sue because you feel discriminated against, Phil. I'm not sure that can really happen to you. You are, you're probably not in the protected classes here. But if you as a viewer or listener are and you're like, I, I can't say for sure that they intended to. But if you look at my situation, it sure seems that I'm being treated differently. Uh, it is now easier to bring a claim. Fair enough. All right. I hope... I hope that helped make sense of this, uh, of what's happening. It's been a, a very exciting week for us law geeks. Uh, and, uh, and we hope that this, uh, makes you feel, uh, some sense of, uh, of justice. Or if you felt that there were, um, non-justified decisions here, we'd love to hear your opinion on why that is. Exactly. Thank you for joining us. Uh, you can follow Chelsea at Chelsea Galicia. There you go. And follow us here at uh, BHL Online, uh, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and follow us at uh, Facebook.com slash Black Hollywood Live. And, of course, subscribe. If you're joining for the first time, welcome. Um, you know, you can subscribe on iTunes. You can subscribe on SoundCloud or, of course, on YouTube to watch us. Um, and for more great content, go to BlackHollywoodLive.com. Thank you for joining us. Have a happy 4th of July. From producers Maria Menounos, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire BHL crew, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I'm your BHL announcer, Scipio. Instagram me at Planet Scipio. Thank you for tuning in. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.